What's going on, Commonwealth? And welcome back to another great episode of the Bluegrass Soccer Cast, your home for all things soccer right here in the beautiful Commonwealth of Kentucky. I'm Jimmy, and I am back. And a big shout-out to John for holding down the fort a couple of weeks ago uh, while I was out sick with um, whatever disease I had. Um, also, a big thank you to Zach from Vamos Marauders for stepping in on a very, very short notice. Um, John, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good, Jimmy. How are you? I'm good, my friend. I no longer feel like I'm going to die, and I live in a, a whole new place now. Um, so it is a totally different life for me, <laughs> to uh, to say the least. Um, but, John, we have got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, but, you know, always got to hit you with that icebreaker question to start our conversation off today. This week, I don't need any random generator. I know the question. What is your go-to Thanksgiving Day food? Green bean casserole. Ooh, what an interesting choice. Why? Because it's good. <laughs> I mean, fair, right? Like, turkey is okay, but I think it's too basic. It's like the what everyone has. Mm-hmm. And then... I feel like everything else is just kind of normal food that people just cook at Thanksgiving. Right. And that's all it is, really. Creaming casserole is one of the few things I feel like only appears at Thanksgiving, or at least when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, I have made green bean casserole outside of the like the holiday season, but it uh it just kind of feels weird, right? Like it's uh feels wrong somehow. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, you're not not too big on turkey. So what is your your uh, I'm fine your with turkey. I like turkey. Okay. I just feel it it, it like as a Thanksgiving food. It's like the staple, so it's not really to me that big. Like it can't be number one, right? Uh, I think for me, ah, this is the first year, so I went on this. Uh, I don't want to say diets; that's not right. Um, I've had to completely eliminate dairy from my life uh, for bodily reasons. Uh, so my answer typically is mashed potatoes, um, but those are obviously laced with uh, butter and milk. So uh, I don't know what it'll be this year. Uh, I love turkey. I'm a big turkey guy, uh, especially turkey and dressing. Oh, by the way, is it dressing or stuffing, John? It is stuffing. Oh, okay. We got a Yankee here, folks. I'm from Detroit. <laughs> Just like to remind everybody. No, um... Dressing, stuffing, whatever. It's the same thing. We all know what it is. Unless you actually stuff it within your turkey, then it is stuffing, right? And that's, yeah. That's why it's called stuffing. <laughs> Dressing makes no sense. Well, it's because it's a it's a side and, you know, it dresses up the turkey, right? Like, that's where that phrase comes from. Not buying it. You're not buying it at all for our, our listeners. No. You don't. It doesn't dress up the turkey. Dressing something you put on top of something, not inside of it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, fun times. <laughs> uh, I 
I, I'm big turkey guy. Like it's turkey and dressing. So dressing is probably my number one. Turkey number two. Uh, but then we got to get to the pies, man. Are you a pie guy, John? Or are you a cake uh, guy? I'm more of a cake guy. I'm not big on pie. Man. man. So at Thanksgiving, do you all typically have more cakes or more pies? My family has pies. I'm just not big on it. I love pie. Apple, blueberry, blackberry, peach, um, pecan, um, pumpkin, sweet potato. You put it in a pie crust, I'm going to eat it. My grandma, uh, on my mom's side, shout out to my grandma Lois. What up? Um, Because I definitely know she's listening. No, she's not. Um, She used to make this, she called it Italian pie. So she would brown up like ground beef and pour a jar of tomato sauce in it, mix it up, put it in a pie shell, melt some cheese on top. Oh, man. Living high on the hog on those days. (laughs) But uh, I know all our listeners definitely came here to hear about our Thanksgiving and all our other favorite foods. But let's dive on into some of our stories this week, John. First and foremost, I want to start with um, Lou City. Um, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time, but I do kind of want to recap um, everything that happened to close out their season since we didn't talk about it last week. Uh, they did fall at Charleston. Uh, the battery got the better of them, um, allowing them to advance to the USL final where they fell um, to Phoenix. Right, John? Yeah. To Phoenix. Battery? Yeah. Phoenix yeah. won. Mm-hmm. Um, Charleston got the better of Lou City early and just stayed on top of them through the majority of the game. Um, Lou City once again struggled to restart um, after a slow start. Kyle Adams did his best to try and save the team, um, especially uh, when they were down to 10 men. But you know, there's just not much that they could do. Um, the, the attack, again, was poor. The whole game, Coach Cruz didn't really set his guys up for a lot of success on the offensive end, in my opinion. Um, so, John, kind of what were your thoughts on the game? And then how do you kind of want to wrap up? Or what are your thoughts on wrapping up this season for Lucy? City? Um, they, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. They overperformed in the playoffs, in my opinion. Indeed. So, it's going to be curious where they go. Do they realize they overperform? Do they understand that? Or do they be a little more complacent type thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where do they kind of fall, you know, this off season? Do they rest on their laurels and be like, Hey, we made it for a ninth straight year. Or do they realize, Holy smokes, we might've made it to an Eastern conference final for the ninth year in a row, but we are nowhere near close. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I know personally for me, when I'm looking into this offseason, they've got a lot of questions to answer. Um, but most importantly, it's got to be they've got to find somebody who can spark the attack from the bench. So at least at the start of next season, that's what I'm really looking for. Maybe that person comes in and eventually is a starter, but they've got to find somebody that they can bring off the bench to spark the offense in the second half. Or heck, even in the middle of the first half, if you know they're playing as terrible as they did against Charleston. True. 
Um, I honestly, you know, honestly, I haven't. It's been so long. <laughs> I had I to watch it today. Been, That's the only reason I have fresh knowledge. I didn't get a chance to rewatch it to refresh myself. And there's been so much other news lately. Oh, yeah. That game's like so far out of my mind. Yeah. Well, so as we're kind of looking, you know, previewing the offseason here for Blue City, you know, Coach Cruz, he's got a lot to to look at and a lot of this roster to kind of turn over and retool. Um, and I talked about from the front end, you know, he talked about in an interview building from a stronger back end um, because it kept continually kept getting exposed time and time again. Um John, when you're kind of looking this into the offseason for Loose City, what is one thing that you think they have to have? I don't think they need to have anything per se. I think they need to let go mm-hmm. of some people. Ooh, okay. So if you had to let go of one person, who's your number one target for them to let go? Because oh. I have an I'm answer. Not- I'm not fully sure on exactly, but there's the, there's all this talks on Lucy Twitter about like the core, mm-hmm. however they call them, the guys who have been around forever type thing that they need to go or some need to stay, some need to go. So I'm not, I don't know exactly like which ones, co- it's all to me that's all the, that's coaches, that's Coach Cruz's call of who he feels is more important to the squad or not. But I feel like there is more, there's too much reliance on that core. Yeah. Either by like the front office, by fan pressure or whatever type thing. There's too much of like this core needs to perform. And I think that, that those players feel that pressure and that has led to some mistakes or trying to still perform at a level they can't do anymore. Yeah, yeah, I, I fully agree. You know, I don't know how much does the core players have left in them. How far can they push? Can they push for a tenth Eastern Conference Final appearance in a row? I don't think so. And to me, I, I'm going to look at uh, Brian Ownby again. Don't know contract situations, you know, or anything like that. But Brian Ownby is he somebody that continues? Or can he continue to add to this team? Or is it time to kind of do a soft reset on the attacking end and see what you could get for him? Do you send him to a USL League One team? Which, you know, when we were talking about our Lexington um, end of the season talk, that was the number one target I would have for them, a player of that ilk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know <coughs> if... You know, he's going or not, but that would be the first person I would look at. Um, I mean, Sean Toach has been an Iron Man for this team, but, you know, we've talked on this show before. Is being an Iron Man always a good thing? I think it depends on the age and how long you've yeah. been around. Uh, there's a point, there's a sense where I feel like Iron Men are, can cost the team. Mm hmm. And that could be where we're at right now. But there's also points where they help the team a lot. It's very interesting to how they can play out. Yeah, indeed, indeed. But 
anyways, uh, it, it was a little bit of a bittersweet ending, but I think even more to John's point a little bit ago, um, you know, they overperformed in the playoff by getting to their ninth straight Eastern Conference final. You know, I think both of us agree they're not too far off from being back at that same level. They just need to continue to push and continue to get younger talent in there and not just any talent, like top quality talent that can go to other teams. And, you know, I mean, look at uh, Josh Winder, you know, as an example, right? Like if you had a player like that all year, it'd be totally different, right? Uh, and I think I put this in uh, in the the tweet after the game. It was a roller coaster season, up and down, up and down, up and down, and the ride had to come to an end at some point, and it came to an end in Charleston. But should be a long off season for uh, for Loose City fans. Um, you know, we'll just kind of have to see how things go. They do have their open tryouts already set. Um, I believe it's November 9th and 10th, or I'm sorry, December 9th and 10th, or something like that. So, you know, if there are, if there's anybody in Louisville um, who's not on the radar of Lou City uh, or Lexington, Frankfurt, Bowling Green, Cincinnati, Evansville, Indianapolis, you know, if you are watching this or somebody sends you this clip, go try out for Lou City. Um, it can only help benefit you. It can only help benefit the Lou City to be the best team possible. But John, with that out of the way, let's go on and move over to Lexington, who they have a brand new manager. Um, Lexington Sporting Club announced, uh, what was it, last week, I believe, um, Darren... Do what? Last uh, past Friday, Darren Powell. Yep, Darren Powell the new head men's coach for the 2024 League One season. Um, Powell brings extensive coaching experience. Most recently, he was the director of player development and an assistant coach for my MLS club, Inter-Miami FC. Uh, He coached right hand-in-hand with Tata Martino. Um, He coached Messi. Kind of. Kind of. Adjacent. They were he, on the, the same staff. <laughs> from what I know, he was mainly more like, I forget, who's the kid that got called up to the national team? Uh, Kaminsky? Yeah, like the younger, his main thing was integrating the youth, like helping Tito, like this. these youth guys is how you're going to bring them in. This is how you can bring them in. Like he helped with other stuff, but from my understanding of his role, last year at least at the club mm-hmm. that's what it was he was more young guys academy guys this is how we're going to bring them into our system and yeah. he helped them with that transition that sort of thing but he also yeah. prior was the inter miami two coach for there you go two that's years what like. mm-hmm. um he had been the coach of fort lauderdale the strikers um, and he previously it was the first ever coach for San Antonio FC. Mm-hmm. And they, so those early San Antonio teams that were kind of competitive, but still kind of a little shaky, uh, he was there for them. And that, and that's the thing I think if you look at his resume in terms of how his teams finished, none of them finished that high in his system. But I think that's more his teams outside of San Antonio. 
one, San Antonio was brand new. So he was taking over a brand new club. And that was also when the USL was a little different. Very um, different. That was the MLS two days, right? Yeah. And then Fort Lauderdale and Inter-Miami 2 were these kind of like B-side teams. So that's real. That's very different. If you're operating a two team, it's really hard to necessarily be good because you could have a really good player and the team goes, all right, he's coming up here. And now you're, your really good player is gone. Right. And so you're like having the, you technically, you're having the scraps, the edge players that you're trying to figure out and win with, or the really young guys. I can say right now, from the little I know of Coach Powell, he has heavy focus on the youth and the academy. Um, he has, our, apparently, already has a big target list going for players he wants to bring back, that type of thing. We only really have, known of two players that are probably coming back for Lex, so it's going to be very interesting. Possibly a third could be back. I'm more hopeful on that side. So we'll see. And just so we're all on on the same page, who are those three? So the two that have confirmed, basically confirmed, they didn't like outright say it, are Killian Fox, who said on Instagram, like, can't wait for year six in Lexington or something along those lines. And then I'm all night yesterday in a uh, video with the Jamaican national team. Basically, like, the way he was phrasing stuff, it wasn't like, I am coming back. It's just kind of like, I'm expecting to come back type thing. Like, he never outright said, like, yes, I'm coming back. But it kind of, like, sounded like that was his plan, was coming back, that sort of thing. The team has not officially announced this. And I'm hopeful, based on how things are going, that the youth is going to sign back because... For those that didn't see, Trevor Amon, legit the day after the final, signed with Sacramento. So, my thought is, and then Olex Anderson's going right up with North Carolina, probably. So, my thought is, either Diouf is fielding a lot of offers right now, or he's coming back. And I really hope he is coming back, right? Because how old is he? He's, what, 19, 20? No? Like 23. Is he? Okay, so he's a little older than I thought. Well, the reason I even brought up his age, because he is still pretty young, and I think he fits right into the core of what Powell and Coach Stockley, former Coach Stockley, I should say, are looking for, right? They want that young core to develop just like we were talking about with Lou City, right? They had their core that brought them to nine straight uh, Eastern Conference appearances, Eastern Conference final appearances. That's exactly what Powell and Coach Stockley want, right? He's shaking they his want head. The, they do want that core um, type thing, but it's also developing pieces around it and <laughs> that sort of thing. It was like, all I will say, tell people is that Coach Powell is very – he has a system in place. He's very – from what, the way Stockley has talked and what I've heard of him, I have yet to meet, personally meet him. But from what I've heard of him in my talks and stuff with the club, 
is like him and Stockley are very much on the same page. So if you've paid attention to Stockley's interviews and stuff last year, very similar terminology is coming out. Very similar ideas and plans. So these two are very much appear to be on the same page with the same ideology. And, and I think that's what makes all of this super interesting, right? Like um, we both know from our conversation with Coach Stockley that the youth has always been his focus, right? Um, and I think Coach Powell fits exactly into that mold um, for what they're looking for as a whole organization, right? Uh, and I think when we're looking at next year being such a big year, right? New stadium coming in online in uh, August of next year. Women's professional team getting started up next year, right? It's going to be a lot of change, but I think having that key focus with the same uh, goals and desires in mind of developing the youth in the club to compete, not to downplay next season because you know Lexington with a similar performance next, excuse me, next year could easily find its way into the playoff. But I think they're building a solid base for twenty five. Um, and I think that's going to be even more of a great success than season one and two could be, or season one was, or season two could be. Yeah, it's going to be. I'm just, I can't, I like the hire. I really like the hire. I'm just curious to who he brings in now and that sort of thing. That's yeah. going to be where I kind of go from is like who he brings in. And how's that going to look? Yeah. Have you heard of, I know you mentioned that he had a list. Have you heard any scuttlebutt about who could be on that list? I have no idea about this list. Okay. Um, just just asking. The, the, my, like Lex had a lot of turnover. My source is one of the newer people there. They just know, um, they know of the list. They don't know the list themselves. I bet that he's very, um, Powell's keeping everything very close to the chest and wants to keep stuff close to the chest. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, well, and, and he has to, right? Like you don't want it getting out there that he's targeting a player because if you know, another team is also interested now you're in a bidding war, right? Yes. And, And that's not good for, for Lexington, but. John, so kind of overall, I want to close out this segment. I want to give you the floor here as uh, the biggest Lexington supporter that, you know, that I know of, right? As a fan, how does this feel? Does this feel like progress? Does this feel like somebody that you think could really help the the team? Or is this a little bit off kilter from what you were looking for? Um, it's progress. It's definitely progress type thing is very curious to see where they go with all this and how they um develop mm-hmm. that sort of thing where they come from in a sense um it's honestly now like I like the hire I like his playing style uh he has some things that Inter Miami has put out on YouTube involving him that I very much like that sort of thing. I, 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 I gotta see who he brings in that sort of thing. Cause that's like, 
I like his playing style, but I need to see how these players he's going to bring in fit into that style. That sort of thing. It's like, this is my thing with any coaches, like, in all sports. Like, yeah, a coach is great, but now let's see what players they have. And that's the thing. We don't really know what players Lexington has yet. If there was more of a formality with the roster, I could say more. But I don't – we don't fully know who's – like, we, we know of two players, basically. We don't even have a starting 11, so I can't really speak on, like, <laughs> how this is going to go. How this is going to go with him when I don't necessarily know what players are going to be there. You have as many uh, players right now as the uh, the Pac-12 has teams left for next year. Um, but, John, we'll skip on over back to Louisville now, and we'll talk a, uh, a lot about racing Louisville as they have had several signings. Uh, to kick us off here, um, I want to talk about uh, Racing Louisville re-signing backup keeper uh, Jordan Bloomer. Uh, Racing Louisville re-signed uh, the keeper through the 24 season with a team option for the 2025 season. Um, Bloomer said that she was super grateful to re-sign uh, with Racing, and she was excited about the potential for next season. Uh, racing goalkeeper coach uh, Gonzalez said that Bloomer developed or Bloomer's development in the 2022 and during her loan period with an Australian club really showed that she can compete for an NWSL role. Uh, GM Ryan Dells said that uh, Bloomer's progress uh, in her recovery from her knee injury is truly inspiring. Um, as he is really looking forward to seeing what she can do and getting back on the field for next year. Um, so John racing Louisville, in short, re-signs a 25-year-old keeper who was the 10th overall pick in the 2022 draft. Uh, I think this is going to be a really great competition between Jordan Bloomer and Katie Lund um, next year. Um, as Katie Lund is also on the roster for next year, her contract goes through the 24 season. Um, John, what are your thoughts on Bloomer rejoining Racing Louisville? It's interesting. Um, because to me, it's really interesting based on how Katie Lund has done. Wait. Yeah. Sorry. Couldn't remember. Mm -hmm. They've signed some people. It's interesting yeah, based on how Katie, how Katie Lund has done because that. That role is Lund's to lose. Like, mm -hmm. I don't see, like, it does not matter how good Bloomer does in practice or that thing, in my opinion. She's not going to earn it until Lund does something to give it up. Like, it's not mm -hmm. open for crap. Now, but how is Lund, how long is Lund's contract? So it goes through the 24 season, Lund's at least according to the press release. Mm hmm. So they're both so going to be free agents by the end of next season. That well, is Bloomer has an option team option for 25. So maybe all it's right, a competition. So this, appear, this might appear of like, all right, let's see how one does in a second year. Yep. And it will determine how we go forward. Now it's also curious of who, what coach they bring in. Mm -hmm. Personally, I will say this. I do not like signing players without coaches. I, I agree. 
the system, but if this coach walks in and is like, I don't like them as my keeper, what are you going to do now? Mm-hmm. Type thing. Like, it could just be whoever you bring in, and they could have someone in. They just haven't finalized it or whatever it is. Whoever you bring in, that's where I'm like, you need to talk with them. And just, it could be a two-day talk before you even announce anything of like, what's your thoughts on this person? What's your thoughts on this person? Type thing. All that sort of sense. Should we just let them go? Should we type thing? Because free agency, like they can't officially sign or announce until the 20th, I feel, I think it is. Because free agency started today so they can talk. Mm-hmm. Players, but they can't like officially sign until the 20th. Mm-hmm. And that's concerning to me is that free agency has started and Racing Louisville doesn't have a coach. I agree. Um, I think that is a bit troubling. You know, I've, I've talked a lot before on the show. Like, I'm an American football guy. Like, that's how I grew up, right? And I always remember <coughs> hearing, um, oh my God, I just dropped his name. Uh, he was the coach of the Bills and the Patriots. Cowboys. Oh my God. Not Bill Belichick. Anyways, I can't remember his name, but he would always say like, as a coach, you can't expect them to be a gourmet chef if they don't have gourmet ingredients to cook with. So as a coach, he wanted to be more of the, on the player personnel choosing side and be like a coach general manager thing. And I think that plays out in soccer as well, right? Like, you know, we were just talking about Lexington with their new coach, right? Uh, free agency hasn't started in the USL one yet, has it, John? Uh, kind of. They can't sign anybody until... Uh, Parcells. Thank you to uh, the person in the chat that said that. Let me throw that up here. Thank you for that. Bill Parcells. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Uh, they can't sign anybody yet, officially, but... Like we've seen people, um, like Rhode Island's allowed to sign because they're an expansion team. Mm-hmm. Some players, they're really the only team I've seen outside of some teams welcoming guys back. Like you can welcome people back. I think you can yeah. resign or do contract <laughs> extensions. Um, not December first is when the USL, just like official signing is. Now, do they do top down? Like league champion and league one can start signing at the same time. I'm not sure. I'm not even sure how. Like if Trevor Amon has officially signed with Sacramento, I'm not really sure how that worked. But it's gonna be curious. I I found some disclosure documents. I'm still looking over to get more of a sense of the rules and stuff. Yeah. Um, also, shout out to Michael um, in the chat here. Key lime pie is absolutely the best pie. Spot on uh, agreement there. Um, and while I'm in the the chat here, uh, recognizing Kino's comment here, um, Bowling Green does come up with a lot of talent, yet comes up short uh, when producing big players. I think that's absolutely true. And I think you know, not to get too far off what we were talking about here, but I'm really interested to see what the Golden Lions do. Um, this coming year um, still have not heard confirmation that they are coming back, but with uh, a new confirmed USL or UPSL, sorry, um, team in place in town, 
it's going to get very interesting for them. Uh, but John, bouncing back to racing Louisville, another signing that they've had, uh, they re-signed midfielder Maddie Pocony. Pocony. Mm-hmm, thank you. Um, to a new contract, uh, new two-year contract through the 2025 season. Uh, the 26-year-old originally joined racing uh, temporarily uh, as a World Cup replacement, um, but she absolutely earned her spot um, for the rest of the season um, and moving forward, obviously. She said that she was super pumped to sign with a great club like Racing Louisville, and she couldn't believe that this was actually happening. Uh, GM Ryan Dells uh, said that she embodied the club's values as they look forward to continue to de- as they look forward to continue to develop her here in Louisville. Um, Maddie made 11 um, appearances in her first season with Racing Louisville, highlighted by an assist on a late equalizer against Orlando. Um, and Pocony is known as one of the most energetic, hardworking players to feature in several different positions within her first year with the team. Um, John, any thoughts here on the re-signing of midfielder uh, Maddie for Racing Louisville? I think it's really good. Um, it's good for the league. Mm-hmm. Or not necessarily the league. It's good for racing. As she, I think had a lot of help or she did a lot of good I should say for the league and um, I keep saying league for racing she played very well for racing he's a good good player I think feel like she plays off of Sav very well they play well together um, she also does as a kind of good subish for Sav so I feel like overall it's a good like depth signing piece as well as like potential starter piece. Uh, Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at with it. I think it's a good bench player, a good uh, locker room person to have. Um, But, you know, I don't think it's, you know, it's not going to change the future of racing Louisville, right? Like, yes, she's going to come in and continue to do what she's been doing, but it's, it's not, she's not like a messy level player. You know, it's not that, yeah, that life-changing. Um, one of the things that I kind of wanted to talk about was this concept of racing Louisville, re-signing and keeping this core of players together. Um, so specifically the ones that we know are coming back because of their contract for next year. Uh, we talked about Katie Lund, um, defense uh, defender Lauren uh, Millett. Uh, and Carson Pickett are coming back. Midfielder Ari Burgess, Savannah DeMillo, and Jalen Howell, um, as well as forward Paige Monahan. So this is a strong core group of players. You put in another piece or two to that, um, and I think this team is ready, set, and off next year, off to the races. <laughs> See what I did there? Um, they're going to break from the... Uh, the what's the gates very very fast horse horse racing references here <laughs> it's gonna, i'm very curious how the draft and free agency fully goes for that yeah because they have what did they get a top five pick in the draft oh i meant more the expansion draft but oh look. gotcha well, is that at one point they were 
Well, that's why I like talk to Zach. Like mm-hmm. Zach, I asked what nine players would you protect, and he got to like eleven that he would want them to protect. So that's the issue. You have players yeah. like who are you going to protect? That sort of thing. Um, the draft is going to be. Let me. I don't think they've released the twenty twenty four. Um, it's going to be on U.S. It's going to be on December 15th. Here. I'm going to read some on this. You're good. Um, I'll just kind of jump in uh, while you're doing that. I, I think just kind of wrapping up here, Maddie's uh, addition to the team. It's great, especially if anybody gets any injuries, small injuries or anything where they need you know a good sub off the bench. I think she's great for that. Um, I'll be very interested to see if she is more of a spot starter next year or if she does make her way into the, the permanent starting 11 um, alongside uh, Savannah DeMillo and Ari Burgess. Uh, I think that could be a, a potent midfield, uh, to say the least. Uh, and Jalen, um, what's her last name? Uh, Howell as well. But while John is looking that up, I'll kind of briefly start our transition to the last uh, bit of news from Racing Louisville here. Uh, they actually did have a departure uh, from the this past season's team. Uh, Amina Ekik. Um, has departed from Racing Louisville as she is signed with an Australian cub, club. Uh, the former uh, Racing Louisville star uh, signed with Melbourne City as a free agent um, as her contract was up. Um, doo, 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 doo. Reading through my notes here. Uh, Racing waived Ekic so that she could join uh, Melbourne City early for their 2023-2024 uh, A-League women's division uh, season. Um, Ekic is one of Racing Louisville's original players, drafted number five overall in the 2021 season. She scored three goals and 38 appearances over those three seasons. Um, and she holds a special place for the club and for the fans, right? As she was the first ever regular season goal scorer for Louisville. Um, and she's a Louisville native, right? She went to the University of Louisville. She played for the University of Louisville. Um, so I think as, as a fan here, seeing Ekic go to Melbourne city is a big loss. Um, John, if you found the date, feel free to add it, but otherwise, you know, kind of, what are your thoughts on Ekic leaving? Um, I don't know the draft date per se. It's going to be December 15th. The order, it looks like they're going to be sixth. Okay. But the two expansion teams. Gotcha. Um, but Ekic leaving, it seems like, because she was loaned to Melbourne mm-hmm. prior. Yep. So it, to me, it seems like she liked her time in Melbourne. Now, she got hurt there. Yep. And that affected, I think it was last season, or it might have been even this season. It affected her saying this. I think she liked being in Melbourne. And I think it was she needed a change of scenery type deal. Or a feeling of that sort sense, because, uh, but it's it's curious. I'm curious, like how it happened, because they waived her. Mm-hmm. So what is fancy to just say they cut her? Yep. Um. So I'm really curious if like 
she just wanted out. Like, she didn't want to be there anymore. What could, could have caused that, per se, type thing. It just seemed, the, how it happened seemed very weird to me. Yeah. And, you know, now that I, I'm really, you know, kind of thinking about their roster here, on the attacking side, on the forward specifically, they're pretty thin. Um, do we know if Thimby is coming back? I believe they re-signed her before the season ended. Okay, so I, I'm, I must have overlooked that then. Yeah, so Thimby coming back, that's a big help. Did I see that Kristen Davis was leaving? Um... For some reason, I feel like it's not that, but maybe I, you know, I feel like I dream things up half the time, <laughs> whether they come true or not. Um, I feel like that, that's just how my brain be sometimes. <laughs> um, uh, uh, there's no reports of her leaving. Okay. So hopefully Kristen does stay, but if you know if she does leave or if you know they do lose any more depth there, um, they they could be hurting on on the attacking end, um, really just relying on Paige and Thimby um, to push forward, right? Uh, there's Kanu, uh, there's Wang, so it's going to be curious for how they go with that. I feel like they had um, did they lose Monahan? No, no, no. The, she's still there. Uh, she was one of those so listed as like the yeah. core players. And Wang is a, a midfielder. Or at least that's how she's, she's listed. Attacking. Yes. She's an attacking midfielder. True. That means she's part of the attack. Well, yes, but also so would Savannah DeMillo, Ari Burgess. Uh, no, Savannah DeMillo, DeMillo is a traditional center mid. Or a holding mid. Too. She can play on the attack. But she's more of a box to box, where an attacking midfielder is more in the attack. Right. So I, I think either way, uh, the departure of Ekic um, kind of hurts a little bit of the depth. Maybe it's not as bad as I was initially thinking, because I think you brought up some good points there. Um, but sad to see her go. Um, hold, she held such a, a strong hold uh, in racing Louisville fans' hearts. Um, I'm just going to be really interested to see. You what they do this off season to, to kind of reinforce their attack and to kind of replace the, one of the core um, players on the team. But John, let's step a little bit outside of the Commonwealth here. Uh, we've got a couple other stories um, to follow up on before we jump down to the college ranks. Um, Emma Hayes uh, was named the new head coach of the United States women's national team. Um, Emma is coming to uh, Team USA from a very successful campaign at Chelsea in England where she won many titles over her past 11 years as the coach at Chelsea. Uh, she started her coaching career in the U.S. in the early 2000s before returning to England. Um, Hayes will finish her current season with Chelsea uh, before officially joining the U.S. WNT in 2024. Um, which is about two months prior to the Olympics. And I think that is going to be a fascinating time frame to join because she is going to have very little time to prepare for the Olympics, right? Who? Sorry. <laughs> the women's national team coach. 
Oh, Emma Hayes. Yeah. I don't. Sorry. I'm rough day. Um, I don't. I think she'll be fine because she's been announced so early. Mm -hmm. That means she can. She can still do her. She can come in on international breaks. Yeah. So I don't think she's going to be head coach until after Chelsea ends. But, like, I don't see why she wouldn't, on occasional international breaks, travel mm -hmm. to when the U.S. is playing, you know, just to sit and watch. Or she might watch it at her home. Yeah. I feel like she'll be fine overall. Um, I was kind of reading through the, the Olympics. The Olympics are a whole different thing with the U23 rule. Mm hmm type thing. So it's it's really weird how you do, handle the Olympics. Because you don't like they can only bring so many over the age of 23 players. So it's really kind of like you are kind of starting from scratch because like I think Sophia Smith you can bring but you can't bring like Lavelle you can't bring like Lavelle Heath uh, Press How old's the mellow? Uh, that's exactly what I was looking at. Um, Done. Like there, there's a lot. I think Naomi Germas might be around that age too. So there's a there's a thing where you look at the core, or who mainly played for us at the World Cup. Yes, we had a lot of first timers, but a lot of them were over the age of like 23, 25, wherever the cutoff is. So it's kind of where where's the question type thing. So DeMillo is 25. Yeah. So that's where you debate it. Like, who do you bring? You bring Alex Morgan, who it could possibly be her last ever international game with the uh, international, major international tournament with the U.S. Mm -hmm. he, I think she could still play at the World Cup, but that's going to be a question of reform come 2027 do you like that's where you debate it type thing it's like how many are you going to bring and then what type of use do we have and i think that's her challenge that's going to be more of a challenge than like only having like a month to prep it's going to be more who do i pick rather than implementing her system yeah, and the article did point out, uh, or the press release, I should say, um, the interim head coach Kilgore will remain in charge until um, Hayes joins full-time. So I think Kilgore will do the majority of uh, the press So that full-time, I think, is the key word yep. there. Yep, yep, yep. So it's basically gonna, Kilgore is basically going to act like an assistant coach that's probably going to take Emma Hayes' marching orders. Mm-hmm. Somebody that can I work hand-in-hand. Hand. Coaching on the sideline, that sort of thing. And she's like, but I, I if like Emma Hayes is like, I want to do this, he's more than likely going to do that. I don't see why he wouldn't. Now he could. He's like, no, I'm interim. I'm going to do what I want. But we'll see. Absolutely. Um, Hayes is currently the highest paid women's coach at Chelsea. Um, and she was named the best women's coach by FIFA in 2021. Speaking of. Yes. Have you heard the thing that Chelsea was like prepared to pay her three to four times more 
No, I didn't hear what she made. She makes 25K, 250K. Or that's ballpark of what she makes because her deal with the U.S. is like 1.8 million Uh to be the coach. So the report came out that Chelsea was willing to pay her three to four times what she currently makes in order to like match. But I guess that 1.8 was too much type Hmm. thing. So that ballparks her at the middle of around 250K. The fact that they were willing to not, not only double, three to four times more her salary. I f- if I heard that from them, I was like, I'm leaving regardless. Right. You could have been paying me more uh-huh. and you're choosing not to. Right. I'm going to leave to the team that obviously like approached me with the amount first, not this lower amount. Now, yes, club is a little bit de- like Chelsea. When she started at Chelsea, it was a whole different ballpark. Mm-hmm. But the fact of like she won all that stuff and then goes like, "Hey, we want we'll increase your salary now because of what you somebody else us. wants to steal you." It caused someone else coming in mm-hmm. for that to come up. It didn't say, "Hey, I want all these trophies. Give me like the like how some work businesses are like you've been here this long or here's a you're really good on your performance review, so buy our thing." You go up in salary. Chelsea didn't do that. Like, if I'm an owner and my coach is doing really good, if I have the money, I'm going to increase their salary. Now, if it's at a point where they're already one of the higher-paid ones, that's different. Right. And, yes, she was one of the higher-paid club ones. But still, if you're hearing the headhunting, try to prevent the headhunting. Well, and I think that's just one of the – massive unfortunate parts of women's soccer right in the world they're they're not going to be paid what they're they're worth and that is absolutely awful it's the unfortunate thing with women's soccer it's the unfortunate thing with like the usl yep and like chat the whole thing with chattanooga football club that has happened and all that sort of sense of i think people don't realize how different the soccer landscape as a whole has changed post pandemic i feel like the pandemic really helped soccer as a whole um people were able to watch more sports people were able to get into different sports um a lot of american sports like got put back on a back burner i think people realized how much they missed in person stuff so that increased all that type stuff Mm -hmm. um Especially women's soccer has benefited hugely. Like that's the women's super league or whatever they call it in England, and the Premier, uh, the Premier, uh, La Liga Feminal, all that sort of stuff. The only like legitimate women's league was like the NWSL and the Bundesliga female. Like in terms of clubs that were somewhat legit, taking it seriously type thing like there's a fame even you could argue the nwsl wasn't because there's some photo with goth since gotham won back when they were called sky blue in 2019 where they're playing at like looks to be a high school stadium Mm. type thing like post pandemic it's just been insane right the blow up type thing and so i think that's a lot of people that haven't seen that type of deal especially with like the usl and all that sort of thing like it's at the whole different world we're in right now. 
Well, and I think to really emphasize your point here, I'll use that as a transition point to talk about um, our two kind of last big stories before we dive into a little bit of college. Um, new media rights deals. Um, the NWSL specifically announced a landmark four-year media rights contract with CBS, ESPN, Amazon Prime Video, and Scripps uh, starting in 2024. Uh, the, I really hope with this deal, it's similar to how the NFL does their deals. And it's based on, like, what day you play mm-hmm. sort of thing. Because if it's generally going to change week by week, it's going to be stupid. And I, if it's, like, the prime time game mm-hmm. is on ESPN, and if you're kicking off on the midday of a Saturday or a Friday, you're going to be on Amazon and scripts is for like challenge cup or whatever type thing they come up with. I'm fine with that. Cause that's kind of consistent. That's sort of with the NFL type thing or release. Like when you release the schedule, release what channel it's going to be on or whatever it is. If it's literally like it could change every week, this is going to be really bad for the league. Buddy's good. But in terms yeah, of the fan following, it's going to be bad. Like the MLS has experienced the issue with fan following being put behind a double paywall. Mm-hmm. But at least with the MLS, if you have your team, you know it's only on one place, right? Well, yeah. The MLS has the issue behind the double paywall. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, it's still the best streaming deal yeah. for any of the top five sports in America. And I think like there's no blackouts. It's a one-time fee. It's a short fee. You have unlimited replays. You can watch whatever you want, whenever you want. No other the of the other big four leagues is like that. That's my one issue. My only issue with the NWSL deal is the four platforms. And I think it's really going to be similar to a lot of these college football um, media rights deals that you've seen. Uh, so CBS will get the majority of. Uh, the NWSL championship games, right? Like that top level, the playoffs, all of that will be on a version of a CBS network, whether that's CBS, CBS Sports Network, or what what have you, right? ESPN. It's good outside of CBS Sports Network because that's yeah. like the hardest thing out of those to get mm-hmm. for some reason. But if you have Paramount Plus, you get it. True. Yeah. Um, ESPN acquired a package of 20 plus games. Um, and I do that in quotations so that, because I don't know what in the world that means. I think that's going to go to your to, point to there me, of like, it's going to be random prime. spotty games, right? It's going to be random spotty games, but I think that's the prime time games. Mm-hmm. I can see the league, like, um, how NBC has the flex thing with the NFL games. They can flex a game into Sunday night. Type thing. It's it's a normal Sunday game. They can't like take a Monday night game and move it or a Thursday night game and move it. But they can take like, oh, you're supposed to kick off at one. Now you're kicking off at eight. See, because you're a better matchup. I interpreted that the, the little opposite of that. I thought it it sounded more like the ESPN games were going to be like those bottom tier games that not that no other major network wanted. Because if you look at the Prime Video part, we'll have 25 Friday night games. Scripps will air 50 Saturday night doubleheader games on their Ion network. So to me, the okay, ESPN so ones just seem to be this the is left very, But they're going to, I feel like they can take these leftovers into prime. ESPN might be getting what the other 
what the new challenge cup is. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever it is. That could be what it's dealing. Cause like ESPN has like the FA cup, mm-hmm. but they don't have the premier league. Right. Type stuff. So that could be what it is. I'm curious that the, if this is ESPN proper oh, or sure is it not. all just ESPN <laughs> plus? Yeah. I'm sure well, it could, they could throw it on ESPN too. Um, but it's going to be very curious what happens type thing, how it goes. Cause also they, they retain, do they retain local contracts or no? Uh, so the remainder of the games that are not on CBS ESPN, not a Friday night or not a Saturday game, uh, will not be nationally distributed and will be put direct to cons- on direct to consumer platforms. Um, so I'm assuming, I don't know if that's your regional sports networks or if that's your, if there's an NWSL live kind of a service that they're going to start offering. I have no idea. <laughs> um, I feel like, one, I feel like everyone, every anything they do this, they need to do a local broadcast rights deal because we are seeing it more and more that being on TV is good. Yes. Like in much with this cord cutting stuff is that I think people don't understand how like still you need to be plugged into TV some way mm-hmm. to watch it. Um, or it hurts you in some ways. So them saying with CBS is good. Them saying with ESPN and or being with ESPN is good. The scripts and the Amazon Prime is fine ish. I want to see if my biggest worry is the NFL was an issue last year yeah. with the Amazon Prime. My biggest worry is are they going to go through the same growing pains or has Amazon Prime figured it out thanks to dealing with the NFL? Has Amazon Prime figured out how to do live sports or is it going to be growing pains this year? I think it'll be a little bit of growing pains to start the year, but I think by mid-year they should have it pretty much figured out, right? Because they've done it for the NFL. You take that model and you apply it to to another sport. Fair. But we'll see how they do. I'm curious. Here's what broadcasters they bring in, who they bring in. Mm-hmm. What broadcasting styles do they keep? Like, kind of keep everything the same, or does everyone have their own little different thing? You know, unique style. That's what I'm really curious about. The one I'm most curious about is scripts. Mm-hmm. Like, Ion Network. Mm-hmm. Just a a, that, a regular network. So random. It is. It's very random, and especially because I don't, like I've heard the, the Ion channel. Network. Yeah, I've heard the Ion Network, but I don't even know what their content is. Nope, not a clue. I thought it was like a version of like Hallmark TV, like that kind of. But uh, even with that, like, imagine saying, "What channel is the NWSL or the, the racing?" Oh, it's on the Hallmark. Channel. <laughs> like yeah. at least with the networks, the networks have been around long enough. And for those that don't know, the networks are ABC, CBS, and NBC. Mm-hmm that they had dabbled in the sports game prior and them doing sports is nothing new or weird. Yeah. You know, the NBA ESPN exists um, for NBA. sports. Yeah. The uh, ESPN literally exists solely for sports. Um, Amazon prime has gone into this live sports coverage thing. 
type thing. Scripps. Now, Scripps was in on the Pac-12 media rights deal um, before that. You want you know worst media rights deal that any Power Five conference ever signed. Well, they didn't sign. And it's the reason <laughs> the reason that you have a West Coast college. In the ACC, yeah, that makes no sense. I'm sorry to Stanford and to Cal. That makes no sense. I don't, I don't get that. Well, Cal, here's the thing: Cal is at least somewhat inland. Like Berkeley's a little inland, a little. It's not that much, but it's a little inland. Stanford's like the campus is like almost on the coast. Yeah. So you literally are having teams like coast, Florida coast. State yeah. that are on the coast. Granted, Florida State, I think, technically isn't on the Atlantic coast. It's not. It's They're on, on the, the, the Gulf. The Gulf coast, mm-hmm. but it's still technically the Atlantic Ocean. And they're going to see the Pacific. Yep. Yeah. But, I mean, in, I mean, even in the, the beloved Big Ten, you're going to have Iowa, my team, um, playing out in Washington. You're going to have Iowa playing against USC. To, to be fair, it's the Big Ten and, like, the Big 12. Their names aren't regional. They mm-hmm. their names are number based, which is stupid. <laughs> and I need to change them now. Never but it's not like the brand is too strong. I know, but it's not like the Atlantic Coast Conference <laughs> or the Big East Conference or the Southern Southeastern Conference or the Mountain West Conference. Right. Like if your name is just kind of like a number or like the Patriot Conference or Conference USA, to me. That doesn't like you can just be kind of anywhere. There's no like no regional identity yeah. with that. But if you're the Pacific Athletic Coast <laughs> or the Pacific Athletic Conference or the South Southern Eastern Conference, and you have teams that aren't in that area or on the other side of the country, that's a problem. Well, that was like even you know several years ago, Texas and Oklahoma threatened to leave the Big Twelve for the Pac-12. And that was some of the arguments against it was you can't do that. Uh, you can't have a team in Texas, the middle of the country, say that they're in the um, the Pac-12 or whatever it would have been at that time. Yeah. We have gotten way far off on uh, the NWSL media rights deal. The long and the short of it is this is a massive success for the NWSL. A lot more um, exposure for the league. And you know, I'm excited. I know Ion is a, an odd choice, but the concept of having a Friday night primetime game on Amazon and then two uh, back-to-back uh, primetime events on Saturday nights on Ion Network, I think is fantastic because then if you could supplement something on CBS Sports Network on Sunday at noon, you're basically replicating college footballs or high school, college, and NFL schedules into the spring season, right? I think that could be massive. But yeah, the NWSL was not the only one to sign a new media rights deal, and this one I'm not happy about. <laughs> the USL has signed um, a new media rights deal with CBS um, as CBS acquires the rights to air 100 USL matches across uh, their annual platform or their annual seasons between 2023 through 2027. This is the biggest TV deal that the USL has ever had um, and promises to have massive exposure for the league. Select matches will air on CBS TV networks 
and simulcast on Paramount Plus for the first time in USL history that they will be shown on a network TV schedule consistently, and that is a huge milestone. Um, During the season, CBS Sports Network will have 20 games. Uh, The remaining 75 will be streamed on the Golazo Network, um, as well as multiple other uh, platforms like Paramount+. Plus. John, this is huge for um, CBS. Um, To me, I think it's a massive L for the USL. What are your thoughts? Why? Why is it a massive L? Because you're talking about the best soccer network right now. Ugh, I hate Paramount Plus. It's just another thing that people have to sign up for. We've already got ESPN. We've already got Amazon. And now we have to sign up for Paramount Plus. And I know they have a lot. I'm going to get there. Hold on. Uh, I know they already have a lot of other soccer. And so from a soccer's perspective, it is a pivotal platform for uh, for soccer, right? But for me as a casual soccer fan, dang it. <laughs> have you ever watched Golazio? No, and from what I've heard, it's fantastic. And I've seen some of their like YouTube stuff like where they've taken clips from their shows, and it's really high quality. It's done very well. I don't want to disrespect anybody who is working on those shows um, because they're definitely putting their full effort into it, right? I just didn't want to have to sign up for something else. And, like, I understand that. And I've seen complaints about that. And here's what I tell people. I've run the numbers on all this stuff. You can basically have, for the cost of cable. Which I still have. have. And that's your first mistake. <laughs> for the cost of cable. You can basically have every single main streaming service that's out there, like Hulu, Netflix, all of them. And you can have basically like their top level mm-hmm. stuff, Apple TV. Now, that's not including like the MLS package or anything. If you did the monthly rates, it's basically the cost of cable. And you get, in my opinion, more because you have on demand stuff, you have all this type of stuff. And like I grew up with cable, cable on demand was stupid. <laughs> It was never good stuff. Or no, it was, it was, it was only for like a week. It was only for like a week they had good stuff on it. But CBS is the best American network covering, or American television anything, covering soccer at this moment. ESPN could care less about soccer outside of like football Americans. And that breaks my heart, man. ESPN FC is so bland. It's a dead 30 minute show that they run five days a week. And they only talk about like the big six clubs of premier league and how they do in the champions league. They don't talk about anything else. Football Americas is a American focused thing. They've talked about the USL. They talk about that same thing. It's good. Galazio is literally a 24-7 network. Now, like SportsCenter was or ESPN was when it wasn't really showing live t- live events all the time, yes, that's reruns at night. Mm-hmm. That's reruns. But they have morning footy. They have, their, um, they have their Champions League coverage. They have all this stuff that they're running. They, are, they have literally this stuff that they're going to have to talk about the USL. They will have to. So you're having the USL being talked about on a major network consistently not just like the random here and there 
type feel good stories that come out or semi big story. They're going to ha- consistently talk about the league type thing. It's going to be a minute because this deal came at the end of the season type thing, but they're going to consistently talk about the league. I'm very curious to how they do off season stuff. I'm seeing how that goes. Can, and that's another thing. And that's my biggest thing out of it is, yes, it's only 100 games, and it'll likely still be on ESPN Plus or locally, depending on how that's determined. Um, That's still yet to come out. But they're consistently going to be talked about on a major network. And Paramount Plus needs to kind of update some language to to fully encapsulate this, like just because I'm literally looking at the website right now of picking your plan, right? You can do your Paramount Plus Essentials for six bucks a month, which is cheap. Like that is one of the cheapest streaming services there is. And with that, you get your NFL on CBS and your UEFA Champions League. But if you go to the Paramount Plus with Showtime, you also then get CBS and college football. And I don't understand what the difference is there on on those two things. So I think it means you get CBS proper that you can watch on Paramount Plus because I I have Paramount Plus. I go to like live TV. Mm-hmm. I can watch like WKYT. Oh, Roger, Roger. Okay. Without having to be logged into like a, a cable provider. company. Okay. Okay. And that's only eleven ninety nine. Which could a month. be good because from this report. And CBS being does have local deals, local teams like local broadcasters can still exist. So Lucy can still have their WKIT CW20 type deal that they have going. Um, type thing. And I will say this from what Mass for Madison said on Instagram, we do get um, apparently some games will still be on ESPN. Sounds like a majority of games will be on ESPN. Or YouTube is another reported platform from the business journal, sports business journal. It sounds like ESPN. So that means to all my fans, I know it's paying for another streaming service, but if you have ESPN Plus and Paramount Plus, you basically get everything soccer besides like the Copa Libertadores and some of the South American ones because they're on like BN or like um, you don't get the. Women's Champions League, because for some reason that's on the zone. Like the more obscure <laughs> things, yeah, the more obscure ones are kind of like that people don't want. But you get majority of European teams, you get majority of American teams, or basically all of American teams. All out, and the only league you can't get with ESPN Plus or Paramount Plus is the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, Solely that. Big one. fan of Paramount Plus for Serie A. Yeah, Serie A has all the UEFA competitions. And it has the Scottish Premiership. It has, I believe, the year of the VZ and stuff like For $15 a month, hmm. if you get without the Showtime package, you can have all, basically all the soccer you want outside of the Premier League. But can you get the Irish Professional League and we can watch Bohemian. Name me an Irish professional. Bohemian team. FC. Eat it. Only because, you know, they have jerseys with Bob Marley on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look it up. Mm-hmm. Google it. I know. You're talking about a league that has college teams playing in it, sir. <laughs> they do. 
They absolutely do. Yes. They they could care they they care about soccer in Ireland, but Ireland's a or soccer's a royalist sport. <laughs> That's why Gaelic football exists. But where Gaelic football was literally where can literally I watch giant. Wrexham? Where where can I watch that live? League two. Yeah. Where um, do I get League it, Two rights at? Their deal is very weird. Because they're on uh oh, shoot, what's that big British network? <laughs> Sky Sports. Sky. Yeah, they're on Sky Sports. Uh, Michael in the chat says ESPN Plus. That's for some says, games. Michael. Yeah. Is that for all of their games yeah. or just some? Some League Two games are shown on ESPN Plus. However, the main is through iFollow. Oh, I've seen that. And it's something you have to pay for. Yeah. And But that that's the thing. You're getting down this. to the fourth division of English football. We don't like even have four really, divisions in America. Well, we do, but you're talking about the UPSL. We, we don't have full four fully professional divisions. Yeah, and England has five. So, well, long and the short uh, of that one, uh, it, it is a good deal for the USL, especially to get more exposure on CBS, uh, because I think. That's one of the things that is going to hurt the MLS in the long run is the lack of cable um, exposure. Um, so I think if CBS can really put a good product on the uh, on the screen, right? Obviously, the USL has to take care of the product on the field. Um, but if CBS can do what they've done with the NFL and uh, Golazo can do what it does for you know continue to talk about the league continuously. I think it should be a really good deal uh, for the USL, even even though I said it was a massive L at the start of this conversation. You've convinced me, John. Dang nabbit. I will sign up, and I will get Paramount Plus. Or I won't. Good. It's good quality. They got a lot of stuff on there, too, because it's, it's CBS. Right. So now, John, my question is, Fox. Yes. Fox, for some reason, has not figured out the streaming game at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's okay. It can die. Um, I don't Fox know, man. Sports is good. Yeah, Fox Sports like, is good, and they care about like USA. I'm right? just yeah, but that's the issue. Like, they don't have a streaming service where you can pay for streaming. You have to have a cable TV, or you either you have to either have cable or you have to have or like antenna type thing. They need even, to figure out a way to get in the streaming game. Because what all does Fox have? So they've got... The, the, they the have the World Cup. In the World Cup. They've the got, men's team is on HBO Max now. Is it only on HBO Max? I don't fully know, but it's on HBO. I know that. That's the way you can stream it. But like the World Cup, you can't... Yeah, I don't know. It's really weird. But they have... Like they had the NFL, they have all this type of stuff, and they can't you can't really stream Fox, right? They do also have the Saudi Pro League, not you know a very popular league, um, one that you know I will occasionally watch uh, a match. Very on. popular. It's a league that doesn't that's outside of four big clubs. Its own fans are boycotting. Wow, why you gotta say four clubs when you know my my team is like the fifth or maybe sixth best club? Why you gotta do that to me, John? No, it's like the four clubs the state took over. Four or five oh, clubs the right. state took over and was funneling money into it. 
and yada yada. There's a lot of stuff going on about this, but our producer could probably speak. More oh, absolutely, on to this than I can. <laughs> uh, maybe that's another topic for another day. John, let's jump on down um, to the college ranks, um, where for the most part, most seasons are are wrapped up. But a couple of things that we wanted to highlight here: um, one, uh, the University of Louisville and the University of Kentucky men's teams. Both qualified for the NCAA Division One soccer tournament. Um, UK qualified somehow. Um, I still do not understand how they were the very last team chosen. Um, and if you were a mid-major team that did not get picked, you need to look at UK and put a giant target on their back because that team stole. Your, they did not belong in the tournament. They're the very last team because they beat number one and number two right before the conference finals. Yeah, but that's all they've done all year. Like, they were not great the majority of the year. You can't just win two games at the end and then all of a sudden, oh, I'm in, we're back. No, get out of here. I hope you get beat 6-0. I don't think they'll get beat 6-0, but they'll likely lose. Louisville is also questionable to me as well. But they were more consistent, especially they early in the year. They were more consistent. They were more consistent. Uh, they're not as questionable as Kentucky, but mm-hmm. Louisville was very more consistent. Who? What side of the bracket are they on? Uh, they're on like, opposite sides, I believe. I know, but like if Kentucky wins their match, they face number two Notre Dame, so they're like considered like one who of Louisville, the worst teams, right? Yeah, like who's who's Louisville's number team? I'm going to race you to see who can find this faster. Come on, Internet. Okay, so UK. Oh, there's a second half to the bracket. I was like, where the hell are they? Uh, They would go on to play Notre Dame, like you said, and then potentially a Duke um, or a Western Michigan um, to go to the final four. on the fifth side. They're, they're, yeah. If they win, they will face fifth seeded West Virginia. For those people yeah. that don't know, the men's soccer bracket, they rank the 16 teams that are the best 16 in their opinion. So the, calling a team a 16th seed is not bad in this sense. They're the 16th best team in a tournament. And they all get buys to the second round. Yep. And then other teams get paired up. And then they, they they get the winners of those matchups. So Louisville is playing Dayton. They're in, hosting at, Dayton. Yeah, they're hosting Dayton, which, which means they are considered a top thirty-two, top, the next top yeah. sixteen. Mm-hmm. They're like seventeen through thirty-two area, is what yeah. they're viewed as. But they're hosting Dayton at their stadium, and then they'll go and face West Virginia if they win. Which I think they will. Yeah, I think um, they, Kentucky, they on be. the other hand, is being hosted by Xavier. Yeah, and which go, is and not a long win. trip. That's a short trip up the. No, road everything to, they uh, do this kind of regionally as well. Mm-hmm. Western Michigan's playing Green Bay. Well, Pittsburgh's playing Dave Madison. <laughs> kind of. If you look back to the the Louisville quadrant, right? The other play-in type game is Vermont and Ryder. Uh, which are two Northeast schools who then if the winner of that will go down to UCF, Central Florida, that's not really regional. Well, I meant the like first round matchups. Yeah. 
Then it's by ranking. And then if you look over at like another part of the bracket, you've got Indiana and Lipscomb, which is semi-regional. And then you go play a Wake Forest. And I get how that's semi-regional, like but said, that's a huge region. First round is regional. After that, it's based on rankings. Yeah. So they're, they're taking like, they look at the other teams and they rank the 16 through or the 17 through 32. And then they go, all right, of the rest of the 16 that we gave a at large bid to who's kind of closest to them. And then that's how they match up. And then they go from there. That's all I care about. That's that first matchup. And then everything else is different. Well, John, I, I don't know. I don't have enough knowledge of all of these teams. Uh, I do feel quite confident in, in agreeing with you that Kentucky will lose to Xavier uh, in the first round, but I think U of L, I think they beat Dayton and then I think they upset West Virginia. And then if they're playing a UCF, um, or by some chance, uh, Vermont or Ryder, um, I like their chances to make it to the final four, which is of course hosted in, you guessed it, Louisville, Kentucky. Um, that will be four wins to do that though. Four. Follow, follow the bracket. Oh, yeah. So they would, yeah. So they'd have to be UCF, and then they'd have to be either like Georgetown, Pittsburgh, James Madison, UCLA, one of those teams coming out, which they played yeah, Pittsburgh so close. James Madison is very good. Georgetown, good. UCLA, beatable, but good. They are on the weaker side. They're on the weakest side of the bracket. Yeah. So they, they have a chance at it, but they have to get four wins to they have to get if they win tomorrow, they have to get three other wins to return home. Mm-hmm. That's not, it's not their home stadium, but to return to Louisville. Right. And Which I don't know about you, but my credentials got approved for the college cup they did mine also got approved for that so i'm not for sure about friday night of the college cup yet because my wife has some plans that day uh so travel times and blah 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 i might be able to make it up friday night but definitely for the championship game on that monday um i my plans are to go there we'll give you full access y'all know what we do when we go to these games we'll have a pre-show my, my the final and the post show i i would like to make both my issue is what time yeah they will be and also how bleeping cold will it be <laughs> it doesn't matter we're in the press box yeah well unless you <laughs> you think about how uh the press box yes there's the inside portion but that whole row where we were recording last time that's also press row so hopefully they don't shove us out there well that's the thing we're considered print and they had those tables back there. I glad I'll gladly stand behind people and use the tables like behind us, then oh, yeah. then sit outside. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Hell, I'll go sit in the bathroom if I have to. <laughs> um. Anyways, um. <laughs> uh, for some of the non-Division One teams, and John, you were telling me about this. Um, Lindsey Wilson, Union College, Cumberland's all making it to the NAIA um, tournament men's. for the men's side. Thank you very as much. As all as at-large bids, so Lindsey Wilson's a two-seed. Yep. 
Um, and they definitely seem to be a favorite for, for the title um, or one of the favorites for the title. So that will be interesting to keep track of. Um, I did see Asbury on the men's side also made it to the NCCAA regional tournament uh, where they faced number two Oakland City. What were we going to say, John? Like I was just about to say, like everyone makes this tournament from what I've gathered. Yeah. (laughs) You have to be like seriously bad to not make this tournament. Yeah, and, and hey, Asbury men wound up ten two and four this year. A great season. They were three and one in conference, like six and zero on the road. Like they had a really good year. So like they they earned their spot. Um, they will host number two Oakland City um, tomorrow night. Uh, so if you're in Wilmore or in the area, that you know, great national regional semifinal there. Um, the winner of that will, I believe, go to. Uh, Campbellsville, who's number one in the the region, um, even though Asbury says that game will be at Wilmore, I don't I don't believe it will. I think it'll be in Campbellsville. Um, the Cumberland's men um, will play William Penn University, which is of course from the great state of Iowa. Um, uh, they will play them on Saturday, and that game will be in. Uh, Oskalasa, Iowa. Yeah, I butchered that. Um, Union, have they updated their schedule? They play Indiana Wesleyan. Awesome. In uh, in Indiana. On Saturday. Saturday. Yep. And then Campbellsville, we talked about them. They're waiting on the, the winner of the Asbury game. And even on the Campbellsville men's side, it says that game will be an Asbury. So Wilmore, look at you getting to, to host some important matches there. Um, but Lindsey Wilson will host the winner of Ottawa, Kansas versus Indiana Tech on Saturday. And then on the women's side, definitely not to be forgotten, the um, University shout of the Cumberland. First, first shout out to Moorhead State for the only women's team to qualify. They did. Even they got spanked by Florida State. Uh, I totally overlooked them in what I was writing. But yes, shout out to Moorhead. Congratulations to the Eagles for winning the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament and making the NCAA Tournament, even if they did get bounced by Florida State. Hey, I, uh, as a Northern Illinois yeah. fan, I for know the, what it feels like to get bounced by Florida State. For those that don't know, they made the tournament with yep. their automatic bid, and they got put up against the best team in the country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome to the tournament and goodbye. Thank you so much. Because there, the women's one is actually more towards like basketball. It's more yeah. like straight mm-hmm. matchup type thing. But that you have upsets in that, like uh, UC Irvine upset UCLA, which was like the number two team in the country. So you do have upsets. Um, I don't think any D2 school made it at all. And then Spalding women's made their tournament. Mm-hmm. The D3 tournament as well, winning the St. Louis Intercollegiate Athletics. It's a lot of long acronym. Um, and then they got bounced, too. University of Cumberland's also made a, a good run in the Mid-South Conference tournament, um, beating Campbellsville the and then losing to the, Cumberland. They're in 
the women are in the NIA. Both men and women are in the NIA for Cumberlands. Oh. Yeah, you they said that earlier, but it was just an on their it wasn't on their schedule. So my bad. Because I think I think because Cumberlands is a top three team, like Lindsey Wilson, they're getting they have to wait on a winner. Gotcha. To see who they face. Um, let me look right now. Uh they will f- play because they're hosting. Mm-hmm. I did notice that they had a lot of stuff that they were hosting in Williamsburg. Yeah, they're going to host the winner of Northwest Ohio versus Georgia Gwinnett. Mm, Northwest Ohio, uh, a powerhouse. <laughs> and that that's at 8 p.m. That's also on Saturday. So a lot of the games are happening Saturday. <laughs> UK and Louisville tomorrow. Um, and then everyone else is on Saturday. Absolutely. Um, moving on to our kind of final topic of the day, I want to give some final updates and congratulations to um, our college um, teams and players for doing the best performances that they have. Uh, we are working on some awards. Um, and we will get those to the teams and players as soon as they are available. Um, but I want to start with the College Cup. Um, a round of applause to Union College men for winning the inaugural Bluegrass Soccer Cast College Cup. Um, they went 15-2-2 in the regular season with five interstate victories. For a grand total of 62 points. Uh, the silver medal uh, will go to the University of the Cumberland's women's team, who went 13 1 3 this season with a 3 0 1 record in the state for 52 points. Uh, Campbellsville men uh, coming in uh, in third place with the bronze medal um, as they went 12 5 2 with a 4 2 record in state. For a grand total of 49 points. And then honorable mentions to Center College Women, who got 47 points, and Lindsey Wilson College Men, who got 46 points. So, congratulations to all of them, um, as it was a very interesting season to watch Union College like come from the bottom um, all the way to the top and really make a strong season, um, something that they should be very proud of. Um, and they continue to uh, rack in some awards. Uh, the Golden Boot winner was Caleb Edwards of Union. He scored 23 goals with only one assist. The top women's scorer was Angeline Key of Campbellsville. Uh, she's Campbellsville University. Uh, she scored 22 goals with three assists. And then the Golden Glove winner is Ash, Ashby Greenwell. She got this by like one Woo. save. Um 114 saves was one shutout for Brescia. And then the top men's keeper was Christian Altser of Kentucky Christian, who had 108 saves. Absolutely. So congratulations to all of our our great teams um, and all of the great players from this past season. We look forward to getting these awards to you, um, and we will be in contact very, very soon. 
But John, that will do it for today's uh, show. Um, I always want to pull up our Bias Coffee account. We got the QR code right above my shoulder as always, but I'll pull it up here for the last part of the show as well. Um, some scheduling updates. We will be off next week celebrating Thanksgiving. Um, and then we will look to be back the following week, um, pending schedules, um, of course. So we appreciate everybody for hanging with us tonight um, and watching us. Um, everybody who watches and shares really goes a long way to continue to build this platform. Uh, make sure that you're following us on all of our social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and so many more. All of our handles are always at BG SoccerCast. Make sure to give us a listen on all your favorite podcasting platforms like Spotify, Google, Apple, YouTube, and so, so, so many more. When you're on those channels, make sure that you hit that subscribe or follow uh, button as well as that you share um, our show so that you can, we can continue to grow this platform. Um, as always, I'm Jimmy. That's John. And we will see you on the next one.